I've gotten to know Dr. Pointer over the last few years. We, we spend a lot of time at preacher's meetings together. We spend a lot of time getting to know each other. There are a few things that I know about him that I think matter to you. One, he loves his church very much, very, very much. And so as people, as somebody coming into our church, he understands what it is that we love this church. And so he's going to speak from a place of deep love and admiration. Number two, he is a joy to work with. So Dr. Pointer and I worked very hard on getting the discipleship conference together. And, and Minneapolis showed up in full force And when we had... Uh, the evening over at Minneapolis, our church did as well. So this is really a joint partnership, uh, and I really appreciate that. Third thing that I know about Dr. Pointer is that he loves God very, very deeply. He's a follower of Jesus Christ. He is a disciple. And so I, I fully believe that what he's going to bring to us this morning is going to encourage us, is going to strengthen us, and is going to build us up. So with no further thoughts from me, I'm going to hand it over to Dr. Pointer from here. I hope you all recorded that introduction. <laughs> uh, my wife had to step out with our twins, uh, our grandkids, and uh, I needed to play that to her every night to remind her <laughs> how great I am. That was a good introduction. So, Jordan, if I ever need you, I'm surely going to call you and say, uh, honey, talk to him. <laughs> He'll tell you who I am. Thank you so very much. Um, I don't know, uh, I just came to say a word uh, to you this morning. And can I just act like I'm at home? Yes. Can I act like I'm at home? I don't act like I'm at home if I'm not at home. Now, Can I act like I'm at home? Okay. Well, at home, I would always start off with a song. So can I sing a song? Okay. So I'm going to do a song. It says one word in it, really. Uh, it's hallelujah. Turn your neighbor and say neighbor. No, turn your neighbor and say neighbor. Okay. You don't like that neighbor. Turn your other neighbor then. <laughs> now, let's try it again. I, yeah, I got to work with me here. You got to work with me here. Now, I'm used to my audience talking. All right, say neighbor. neighbor. Okay, try it again. One more time, make sure we're all together. Neighbor. neighbor. It's good to be here. Good to be here. All right, so three things about my preaching, and then the song is going to be hallelujah. If you want me to get out on time, you have to say amen. amen. <laughs> because what happens is I've been preaching, as you can tell, over 42 years or so. After preaching over 42 years, uh, when you get quiet, then I think I hit a good spot. <laughs> and then I have the tendency to hover. <laughs> uh, because you got quiet. And then if you uh, start giving that confused look, then I'm automatically going to add 15 minutes to my sermon. Because <laughs> then I got to go back and figure out where I confused you. Then I got to say what I said when I said what I said, like I said I said, and I meant what I said. When I said, I said what I said. And I got to go back and figure out what I said that you didn't understand what I said. So I know you understand, but I got to go back and find out where you, I lost you. So that takes 15 to 20 minutes. And I was in a meeting one time, and, a guy, and one of the elders uh, said to me, now, now, Doc, you can preach as long as you want to, but next time you got someone looking confused and they keep getting confused, point them out so we can get to them, okay? So <laughs> if you look too confused, I'm going to have to point you out. And the last one is if you go to sleep, which I've never had an issue with that, Ever, and that is I will wake you up and I'll start all over again because <laughs> the folk that uh, the, the people that are here and, and go to sleep they're the ones that lie on you and say you preach something and I didn't even preach that so 
I want to start all over again so you can hear what I said. Uh, so let's try this first. Uh, turn to him and say, neighbor. neighbor. Again, you don't like that neighbor. Find another neighbor. neighbor. Say, neighbor. neighbor. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Okay, now turn to your other neighbor now, the one you didn't like the first time. <laughs> and say, hallelujah. hallelujah. That's all there is. Okay, let's go. Hallelujah, oh Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, oh Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, oh Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Oh Lord, hallelujah, Lord. Oh Lord, where my singers? They had mics earlier. Y'all put them up when I got down. Oh Lord, Hallelujah, Lord, Hallelujah. That's all there is. Oh yeah, oh, Hallelujah, Hallelujah, Lord. Oh yeah, Hallelujah, Lord. What a friend we have in Jesus now. Oh, what a friend we, we have, Lord. We have in Jesus, Lord. Dear, all our sins and, oh, Lord, griefs to bear. What a privilege, Lord, and what a privilege it is to carry, it is to carry everything to God in prayer, everything to God in prayer, God in prayer. That's all there is. Hallelujah, Lord, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, Hallelujah, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Oh, yeah. Hallelujah. Thank you for another day. Yeah. Hallelujah, Lord. You brought us together, Lord, yeah, hallelujah, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You got it now. One time we're done. Hallelujah to the King of kings, uh Lord of lords, yeah. Thank you for another day. Thank you for waking me up this morning, starting me on my way. Hallelujah, Lord. Oh, Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Again, I want to thank God for this opportunity. Uh, my wife is in the audience. Jane, just raise your hand. I want you to see my wife, my, my other half, my better half. Um, and then we have Sister Campbell with us this morning as well. Uh, she heard I was preaching over here. She snuck over here. So we're glad to see her uh, as, as well. 
Some of you might wonder why I'm here. I'm glad you asked. That's why I like preaching to y'all. Y'all always ask the right questions. The three reasons I could tell you is, number one, I'm here to, I'm here to encourage your preachers. Every, every preacher needs to be encouraged. Every preacher needs a preacher. So I'm here to encourage your preachers. The second reason I'm here because I'm here to encourage your elders. Even elders need encouragement. Uh, they got problems too. Amen. And you come to them every week giving you their problems, but they got problems. And where do they go to share their problems? They can't bring it to you because then you start looking at them real funny. So <laughs> I'm here to encourage the elders. And then the third reason why I'm here, because this is a great church. Heard about it since I've been here, and I'm just here to support you because you have a great church with a great name, great mission, great God, and I know you're doing great things. So we thank God for that. So I thank the Woodbury uh, Church. I thank uh, their elders. I thank their ministers for this gracious invitation uh, to stand behind this sacred desk <laughs> and proclaim and prognosticate and pontificate this didactic particular pericope of text. So I'm grateful to God for that. Um, as we look at my text, it's Hebrews chapter 11. I just want to read four verses in your hearing from my text. And uh, I ha I'll have, so you'll know how I work, I, I preach from a text. I have to have a text. Uh, then I will preach around in my context. Uh, I'll always give you a proof text to back up my text in my context. And then I'm done. So uh, we won't be long. So again, let me give it to you again. We're going to work about text, talk about my context, and then I'm going to give you a proof text to back up my text and my context. I'm done. And then I won't be long. Now, now y'all supposed to get happy when I say I won't be long. <laughs> folk feel better if you tell them you won't be long. Now, my folk know that don't mean a thing. But they just feel better when I say, I won't be long. So, so let me try it. Let me try it. I won't be long. Y'all feel better? All right, good, good, good. It don't mean a thing, but I thought maybe you might feel better. When I was growing up, preachers said they wouldn't be long. I just felt better. Somehow I just like, oh, good, thank God. I knew they were lying, but I just felt better. <laughs> so the Bible says, uh, and I'm in Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1, 2, 3, and 4. I'm going to... Um, uh, Commence with verse number one, and we're going to truncate and terminate at verse number four. Uh, look at the text, if you would. Uh, the Bible says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it, the elders obtained a good report. Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of the things which do appear. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous. But God testifying of his gifts, and by it being, though he being dead, yet speaketh. Thus is the reading from Hebrews 11, verses 1 through 4. So I certainly, I know I got a bunch, I know I got some scholars in the audience, and certainly we want you to know that I did stop by class, and I want you to know I did stop by class and learn something, so I want to bring something to you. I like preaching to everyone in my audience, whether you're educated, uneducated, no matter what you are and who you are, uh, but I want to make sure I preach to everyone, so I want to make sure that my preaching is, of course, is exegetically correct. I want to make sure that my, I'm hermeneutically sound, 
with the, my apologetics being amicable. So we pray we can get all this accomplished and everybody can say amen at the end of my sermon. Amen. And if you don't say amen, I'll just say amen to myself. And I want you to know that I'm not conceited. I just know good preaching when I hear it. So, <laughs> so if you don't say amen, I'll just say my own amens. And I'll say preach pointer. And I say, I'll say I think I will. And then I'll just go on and preach because you did, that's your point. You should have said amen. And you didn't say amen. So since you didn't say amen or you won't say amen or you didn't say amen, whatever the reason is, I'll just say my own amens and I'll say my own preach pointer because I'm going to have a good time whether you want to have a good time or not. I enjoy the word. So I want to use my subject this morning just for the few moments we have together. And I see they're timing me. I don't know how long I have. But that clock don't mean a thing. Okay, but anyway, I want to use my subject this morning, faith it till you make it. Faith it. Till you make it. I'm convinced that our biggest issue in the church and individually is a faith issue. If you got problems and you lack faith, when you come to church, your church will lack faith because you are a microcosm of the church. You, you are not the church. You are a member of the church. So if you have problems, then you know the church got problems because the church was perfect until you got there. Y'all catch that on the way home. All of us bringing to the church our problems. So the church is imperfect in the sense that we all have issues. We're all struggling with stuff. And so therefore, to stop struggling with stuff, we have to increase our faith. It's a faith issue. If you don't like relationship, it's a faith issue. If you don't like giving, it's a faith issue. If you don't like sound doctrine, it's a faith issue. If you don't like the preacher, it's a faith issue. If you don't like your elders, it's a faith issue. Everything goes back to our faith. So that's why I want to talk about faith. Faith is something that is really interesting. Let me give you an example. I'm an illustrative preacher, so I'm going to give you a lot of examples. For example, I see better, I'm, you know, as I, I got diabetes, so I'm, I can't see like I used to see. So I have to have some help to help me see. But I see better in the day, but I can see further at night. Okay, you missed that. You missed that. I got yeah. See, now I got to add 50. I was going to let you out early today, but y'all, that, that look y'all gave me. I see better in the day but I can see further at night. Example, at night you can see the stars, but you can't see them during the day. And sometimes God has to allow nighttime in your life so you can see further. Sometimes we lose our direction, lose our way, and you wonder, well, Lord, why are you putting me in a dark place? Because you can see better, and sometimes you can see further at night because God is trying to take you somewhere and go somewhere. So he has to bring nighttime in your life so you can see where you're supposed to go in the first place and then bring light back and we'll be able to see better. Now, if you can't ever see the light, then you need to turn around and see the sun. Not, not, I'm not talking about the S-U-N, but the S-O-N. Because we are the salt of the earth, and we are the light of the world. I, I like this text because we need to live, we need nighttime in our lives. But Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 1, the Bible says now. I know a lot of you had faith years ago and you taught Sunday school, but we need some now faith. We had a different time. You need some N-O-W right now. Show enough down south. R-A-T, right now. <laughs> faith. Now faith is the substance. Two-syllable word. Substance. Sub, and I'm from New York, so I can appreciate this. Sub is below you. The subway usually, not all the time, most of the time runs underground. So your faith is sub. It's below you. It's beneath you. And it's something you can stand on. So a lot of times, when you think you're not standing on something, you're really standing on something, 
You're standing on your faith, which is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Hebrews 11 and 6 says you got to have it because without faith, it's impossible to please him. For those that come to God must believe that he is. God always was is. God always is is. And God always will be is. He just is. And then we have to understand there's faith versus the faith. Faith is our belief. Jude chapter 1 verse 3 tells us, Beloved, when I gave you all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write to you and exhort you and should earnestly contend for the faith. That the definite article. The faith. That's the teaching. So in other words, faith is a teaching. But then when it's turned around into a verb, faith is an action. It's us believing. Okay. Y'all missed that. I got to add 15 minutes. First Timothy. Well, we're going to be here all day. Amen. Thank you, brother. First Timothy chapter 4. In verse number 1, the Bible says, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly, that in the latter times, some, not everybody, but some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits, doctrines of devils. So we find here that there's faith, and then there's the faith. So God gives us faith for one day at a time. So when you come and ask God, Lord, I'm going through a storm right now, I need faith for this whole year. Well, that's why it ain't working. God never gives us faith for a year. We have to have faith one day at a time. So you have to ask God one day at a time for the faith that you need. It's not like your T-Mobile phone where the plan rolls over the next month. <laughs> faith, you have to ask God every day for faith. How do I know that? The Bible says, Paul says in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 4 and verse 16, he says, for which cause? I faint, we faint not, but though our out man, outward man perisheth, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. That's how our faith works. So that's why sometimes we're failing in our faith, because we're trying to get faith for a year and a week, and God says faith only comes one day at a time. So every day you wake up and you plant your feet on the ground, you ought to say, thank you, God, give me faith for today. And if you could do that, then you do what God asks you to do. Just ask God for faith one day at a time, and you're going to do all right. So, but watch this now. If you want something to tweet, tweet this. <laughs> if you keep the faith, your faith will keep you. Let me say it again. Let me say it again. If you keep, thank you, but I'm emphasizing here. If you keep the faith, your faith, your faith will keep you. So faith is believing what I don't understand. There's a lot of things I don't understand. I don't quite understand how the aspirin works. I never understand how I have a headache or a toeache or a toothache, and I take an aspirin, and it goes right. Now, we have some nurses in here complaining, some doctors in here. But it goes right to, because my doctor is not in MD, but it's in THD and D-men. So I don't understand. I'm just, I don't. I don't understand how I can take a, an aspirin, and it goes exactly to the part of the body that I need to go to. I don't understand that. I don't understand how my cell phone works. I don't understand how emails work. But just because I don't understand it don't mean I don't use it. When I'm in pain, bring on the meds. I ain't got to understand it. I just need to use it right now. 
When I want to make a phone call and talk to my wife, I don't need to know how it works. Bring the phone on. Hello, when I need to send an email to you, I don't need to know how it works. So don't try to be George and try to figure out all the logistics of it. I just need to send an email. So you have to have faith, but you have to understand that you don't have to understand everything in order to apply it. Don't try to understand every ways of God because we're not smart enough. Because God, in his infinite wisdom, we have to understand that us and our finite wisdom, we don't understand God in his infinite wisdom. We'll never understand God because we're not as great as God is. So we have to understand that we don't understand. Okay, say it again. We have to understand that we don't understand all the ways of God. Let's give me another example because I can see y'all looking a little confused. <laughs> Let's say I have, I have hypertension. I have high blood pressure. So let's say that I go to the doctor tells me to take it. I got to take a pill every day. So I take it at night. And let's say I, decide, I decided, me, to take it only on Sunday mornings. Now, those of you that have blood pressure, you know what's going to happen, right? Right? You're going to spaz out. You're going to be looking at all, everything's going to be going around in circles, right? The equilibrium will be all out of shape. You'll be all discombobulated. But what I noticed, but then I'm going to go to the doctor. I'm going to say, Doc, something's wrong. He said, what's wrong? I, I don't know. I'm all over. Well, the first thing he's going to ask me, are you taking your medicine? I say, yeah, I'm taking my medicine. Then the second question he's going to ask me is what? How often have you been taking it? Well, I take it every Sunday. He's going to say, yes, but I told you to take it every day. So that's your problem. Okay, you missed it. You missed it. <laughs> that's why a lot of our faith are weak. Because we only get faith on Sunday morning. And then all week long, we don't worry about faith at all. And so what happens is, you're in the right church, you're getting the right teaching, but you're taking the wrong dosage. You need the word of God every single day. You got to strengthen your faith every, you need to, matter of fact, every Sunday, you should buy a copy of the tape that was preached that Sunday and play it all week long until you internalize it. You can't remember everything in one sermon. So you take it, buy it. I'm not trying to sell your CDs, but this will help you. I'm trying to help somebody, or to be practical here. Buy the CD from Sunday. Not, you don't have to buy it this week. We're talking about next week. Uh, buy the CDs. Play it all in your car all week. We're in the car for 30 minutes. Play that tape and see if it don't strengthen you. Because we got the right doctrine. We don't have the right dosage. Amen? So there's a difference in our moments of life. For example, you come here today, you're thinking, I just need a tune-up. Jesus said, no, you need an overhaul. You think, you need a little makeup. No, Jesus says, you need to make over. <laughs> you come thinking, I just need a little decorating. And Jesus says, oh my God, I think you need remodeling. <laughs> so when you look at verses 1 through 3 in chapter, in this verse, and look at chapter 10, the writer urged his readers to continually trust in God. So let me get to my text so I can close this thing out. So he encourages us many examples of men and women in the Old Testament. First of all, he says, now faith is that something's hoped for and evidence of things is not seen. First of all, faith has its reasons. Second of all, faith extends beyond what we learn from our senses. So faith is just a little bit more than just having faith. In fact, F.F. Bruce says, physical eyesight produces a conviction or evidence of visible things. Faith is the organ which enables people to see the invisible things. So we have to understand that if you're going to see, you're going to have to have your spiritual bifocus on to see what God sees. The text says, of things hoped for, of things not seen. So if you have substance before 
if you can see it, then it wouldn't be faith. So you have to, because we, the Bible says we walk by faith and not by sight. Romans 10, 17, Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So faith doesn't come by osmosis. You won't be driving on Woodbury Drive and, oh my God, my, my faith. No, no, no. Faith comes by hearing. And so it bothers me when you, people come up and ask the elders for prayer, well, I need more faith. But then when Wednesday night comes, then we have a night service. So we have any service during the week, you can't show up. You just ask God for faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The more you hear the word of God, the more faith you're going to have. Watch the folk that come to church that are part of the inside circle. You don't see them come down as much. Oh, you know why? Because they're stronger in their faith. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Preach pointer, I think I will. All right, you don't like that point. I'm trying to find something you like. All right, look, look at Hebrews 11, verse 2 then. Faith enabled people in the past to overcome, for by it elders obtained a good testimony. For by it the elders, in other words, the great examples of godliness, all different circumstances and personalities, but they all had one thing in common. They had different walks of life, different personalities, but one thing in common, they all had faith. Obtained a good testimony. These Jewish Christians had been discouraged and were thinking about giving up on Jesus. Can I tell you, don't give up on God, because God hasn't given up on you. Jesus Christ and distinct Christianity, they needed a good testimony. And so they needed these examples of faith to break them out of their discouragement. So they had already seen what God could do. Now he gave them examples of people that you know or heard about what they went through and how they had faith. Sometimes we didn't know somebody else was doing, having trouble like we're having. Sometimes we need testimonies so I can hear that God is working with you. And if he worked with you and I sit right next to you, then maybe I'm next. And then God will work with me as well. All right. Then when you look at Hebrews 1 and 11 verse 3, I'm, I'm a boy. I've got one more verse left. I said three. Stay with me. Faith gives us understanding to the invisible world. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. So the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. Now, by faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word. So, in other words, the word of God, God's word, framed the world. How were the worlds framed? They were framed by the word of God. It happened when God simply commanded in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was a form and void, and darkness was face of the deep, and the spirit of God moved upon the face of the water, and God said, let there be light. And there was light. All because God spoke it, it came into existence. If that's not enough, in Hebrews chapter 1 and verse number 1, the Bible says, God, who at sundry times and in divers manner spake in time past to the fathers by the prophets, but now hath in these last days spoken to us by his Son, uh, whom he appointed heir over all things, by whom also the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, uh, upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself. He didn't need you to finish the world. He did it by himself. I know you think you're great, but he did it by himself, purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of God on high. The text says, so the things which are seen were made of the things which are visible. Most scientists at the time uh, Hebrews was written believed that the universe was created out of an existing matter, not out of nothing. The text says, not out of things which are visible. See, they said it came from matter, which was already there, but God said, I took nothing and created something. You missed that. So if God took nothing and created something, then nothing is the strongest thing on earth because the whole world is hanging on nothing. Sometimes God has to take you to nothing to show you really got 
something. Because something is really nothing, and nothing is something because God is hanging the whole world on nothing. And the world's been holding up for all these thousands of years, and guess what? It don't like it's going nowhere, so guess what? It's all holy because God said, go right there and stay right there. It's hanging on nothing. So when you tell folk you ain't got nothing, you got something if you have the word of God. You got something if you have personal relationship with God. You have something. And then Hebrews 3 and verse 4, my last verse. See, y'all, y'all just, if you say amen, I'd have been through already. <laughs> Abel's faith. I like messing with y'all. Abel's faith. By faith, Abel offered a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. So by faith, Abel offered a more excellent sacrifice. The difference between the sacrifice of Cain and Abel, as we know, was their faith. Through it being dead, yet he speaks. In other words, he's dead, but his, his testimony still speaks. If you want your life to live on, keep working in Christ, because only what you do for God will last. If you work for a bank, when you leave the bank, they'll give you a watch, say thank you. But when you work for God, whatever you do for God will keep continuing on and on and on. Because here he is now. Here's, here's uh, Abel, and, and, and we know can't get Abel. His testimony is still with us. He's dead, but yet we have his example. So sometimes we may have to die, but yet people remember our memories, and it becomes a legacy. So keep living the life and preaching the word. And let God continue to build you. Live for God. And what you do for God is going to last. What you put in the bank down here, you're, 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 my kids will fight over it be gone. My little $2 I got. It'll be gone. But what you do for God is going to last. And then, I just need to tell you this, without faith, it's impossible. You can't even begin to please God. Look at verse number 13. I'm almost done. Hang in it. Uh, I, got, uh, I got 10 more minutes. I'm watching my clock. I'm almost done. These all died in faith, not having received the promise, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on this earth. So watch the beginning, clause A. These all died in faith. Watch this now. Don't miss this point. Not having received the promise. All these folk you see, they died not getting what they thought they were going to get. They just believed that if they, their object was in God. And they just believed that if I just believe God, God is going to make things happen. If God said he'll do it, I've learned that God will do what he said he's going to do. And that's the kind of faith we got to have. we got to make sure we don't just have faith in the word faith, but faith in God. The object of our faith must be in the God of heaven who sits high and who looks low. Uh, look at verse number 17. By faith, Abraham, when he had tried, offered up Isaac, and he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said that Isaac shall be seed, shall be called accounting. I like that word accounting. Those of you that are, that, that, that are, are in accounting, mathematic terms. He said accounting. I mean, I added it up. And when you study the word of God, you'll find out that God don't have to make sense. When you just trust God, God will add things up for you. Amen. It don't, sometimes when you add up what God is doing, you, it don't make sense. Because that, if, it may, if, if you could figure out how a church grows, then it wouldn't be God. If you got all the answers, then it wouldn't be God. The reason why you don't know how to grow a church, because then it's all God. When you do your part, God does his part. He brings the increase. Oh, I'm trying to help somebody. But you have to understand, it's all about God. If I can give you a magic formula, it wouldn't be God. The object is, have faith. God will take care of the rest. Whatever you're struggling with, just try faith it till you make it. Turn and say, neighbor. All right, turn to your other neighbor. I forgot about y'all's neighbor. <laughs> Let me just ask you something. Why do y'all sit next to folk you don't like? I don't understand. Okay, so <laughs> turn to them and say, neighbor, neighbor. faith it till you make it. You, you got to learn to faith it. 
And, and you'll have, the Bible says have a, have a faith of a grain of a mustard. You know, mustard seeds very little. God said, in other words, just what he's trying to say is, just give me what you got. I don't care how weak it is, just give me what you got. See, a lot of folks, we want everybody to do all the work. No, no, bring something to the table. You, bring, you do your part, and I'll do my part. As I close, now I'm really closing. <laughs> Hebrews 11.1, 1, it says, now faith. If you look at verse number three, I got to close. Verse number three says, through faith. If you look at verse number four, it says, by faith. Look at verse number five, by faith. Look at verse number seven, by faith. Look at verse number eight, by faith. Look at verse number nine, by faith. Look at verse number 11, through faith. Look at verse 17, by faith. Look at verse 20, by faith. Look at verse 21, by faith. Look at verse 22, by faith. Look at verse 23, by faith. Look at verse 28, through faith. Look at verse 29, by faith. Look at verse 30, by faith. Look at verse 31, by faith. What are you trying to get to? It's all done by by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith. All your, where's your faith? Show me your faith, and I'll show you how God's going to bless you. And can I say this in a very nice term? Like, it's real, real, I know it's streetish, but I'm from New York. Work with me here. But God is a sucker for faith. You want to impress God? Show God I got some faith. And you see God just start activating in your life. Wow. And you're like, well, how come he didn't work before? You didn't show him no faith. When you step out there on God's promises, Stop looking at your problems and look at his promises. When you step out there with his promise and say, Lord, I'm out here on your word, God said, oh, man, I've been waiting for this a long time. <laughs> he can work with you. He can, he can work with you. He can work with you. Uh, as I close, let me, let me close. Let me give you two examples and I'm done. Two examples, I'm done. Two examples, thank you, thank you. He remembers, see it? <laughs> Whatever you're going through, I don't know what you're going through, I don't know. I don't know what you're going through. This is the spirit working here. Whatever you, I know somebody's going through something. Whatever you're going through. I, was, I have a daughter that's married, living in Mississippi. And I'd always go see her sometimes. And when I'd go see her, um, I'd go in my car, and, and she lived way up in the country. I'm in Mississippi now. Now, some of y'all from Mississippi, you know, uh, Alabama, you know, way up in the sticks. And there's no lights out there. And I was visiting her, and she was talking to me, and I had my window down, door open, and some gnats, I'm a city boy, got in my car, gnats, okay, gnats, <laughs> y'all ain't gonna help me, gnats, so I closed the door, we're driving, and gnats just started getting me, I'm all this right here, you know, I'm a city boy, I don't like bugs, <laughs> don't like bugs, so I'm trying to drive, there's no lines on the road, the road is only this big. I'm trying to stay on my side, drive down the road, swat bugs, and drive all at the same time. I don't like bugs. They don't, probably don't like me. But it, no, they do like me. But take that back. They find me first. So I'm fighting bugs, driving down a little lane street. But then I, began, I did a homework. I did my homework. I got home and I said, gnats. I looked it up. Gnats only have a three-day lifespan. So I was about to kill myself. Tear up my car for a gnat that's only going to live. So when you have gnats that aggravate you in your life, whatever they are, whether they're children, parents, grandchildren, job, church folk, whatever the gnats are, remember they only have a three-day lifespan. Just walk to that mountain and say, one, two, three, you're God. Because God only, I wish I had someone to help me here, because God's going to give you the faith to overcome whatever you're going through. Then my last story, and I close. Y'all got the gnats? 
What do you do? Three-day lifespan. I was flying one day as I closed. I was flying one day years ago. I was in uh, a meeting in Texas. And back then, we did two-week revivals. I don't know if y'all remember that. Some of y'all remember the two weeks. Every night for two weeks. So I was preaching those meetings for two weeks. And so I had been going out of my church for two Sundays. So you know I had to get back. So I'm trying to get back. Y'all know. Where my preachers at? You, you know when you've been gone, you know, folk calling, where you at? I'm, I'm coming. So back then they had TWA. So I got on a plane at TWA. And when I got on a plane at TWA, I noticed that uh, the plane started off late. But I had a connected flight in St. Louis. Make a long story short, because I had time to go. We got to St. Louis. We got ready to land. And in my seat, I was in one seat, and next to me was a pilot, uniform riding with me. And so we started flying, and I don't like flying. I don't do well flying. So I take pills and everything else to fly. So I was flying, and, and we got ready to land. And as we got ready to land, I, um, I noticed that uh, I, I always pray while we land. So you want me to be on the plane when you fly. Because I'm going to pray for you, me, the pilot, the co-pilot, praying that the, the pilot is getting along with the person in the tower, tower getting along with the man. And the I'm praying for everybody. And so I'm flying, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to land, and so finally I, I looked down and saw the arch, you know, the arch in St. Louis, and so I started praying, you know, and so usually by the time I finish praying, I had boom. That means we landed. So I'm praying, Leon, and there's no boom. I said, well, something's wrong. Ain't no boom. So I opened my eyes. We're still seeing the arch. So I said, well, maybe I miscalculated it. Okay. So I started praying again, right? So I prayed again. I said, okay, I prayed again. And, and we still didn't hear no boom. So I asked the pilot next to me. I said, sir, can you help me? I said, what's that? I got to get back. This is the last flight. I got to preach in the morning. And I lived in Indianapolis at the time. And I said, I, said, I got to preach in the morning. And this pilot don't see me landing fast enough. And, and could you go up to the cockpit and tell him? <laughs> that was before 9-11. And can you tell him that I, I, I appreciate the tour? <laughs> but I've already seen St. Louis. I've already seen the arches. I'm in a hurry to get back to preach. I can keep my job. So can you tell him that I've seen all this already, and I appreciate the, the, the t- trying to give us the sights of the, of the art, but tell him I'm in a hurry, and could he land the plane? He said, no. He said, what you don't understand, we're in a, watch this, he did just like that. He showed it like he was like this. We're in a, a holding pattern. I said, we're in a what? He said, we're in a, A holding pattern. I, I said, okay, well, what in the world is a... <laughs> he said, what happens is whenever there's trouble, the man in a tower can see more than what we can see. So he throws everybody in a <laughs> holding pattern. And he said, okay, so I said, well, can you go tell the pilot that I need to come out of this? <laughs> he said, you, you missed it. They could see more than what we could see. And when there's trouble, he throws all the planes coming in to a, about 100 miles out. So we're all the planes just circling about 100 miles. I said, well, I ain't got time for <laughs> I got to preach in the morning. So, man, text him, type, do something. So finally, we finally land. I'm mad now because we, we were in the air flying around for 40 minutes. So we finally got on the floor. And back then, the pilot and everybody would come outside and shake your hand back then. And I had a big old briefcase back then. And I'm, I said, excuse me, I got a plane to catch up. And, and I, 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 want, I, I confess, I fussed when I got to the door. I said, look, I told y'all I had to preach in the morning. And y'all took me a tour, and I, I told you I had to preach. And I said, now nah, I got to run. So I ran to the airport like OJ used to do. 
Some of you have my windows commercial. We ran to the airport. But if you notice, you come in gate A, and you got to go out in gate Z. So I'm running through the airport. They didn't have a train back then, so I'm running through. I'm in St. Louis. I ran from one thing to another thing. When I got where I was going, I said, watch this. I said, I said I'm all out of breath now. I got there. So, whew, I was he said, you must be Mr. Poynter. He said, because we've been waiting on you. Oh, y'all missed that. Listen, when God has a blessing for you, nobody can take it away for you. If God puts you in a holding pattern, you're there for a reason. Your blessing is tied to your holding pattern. Because what happens is, think about this. Think about someone married the wrong person. You wish you were back in your holding pattern. Some of y'all are dating and you're single and you don't like dating anymore. You're in a holding pattern. You ought to stay in that holding pattern. God got you there for a reason. You'll step out and get the wrong person. You say, oh, God, put me back in that. No, no, no. God got you in a holding pattern for a reason. You got problems with your marriage right now. That's a holding pattern. You got problems with your job. That's a holding pattern. Whatever you're going through that's causing your faith to stumble, that's a... So as you leave, just go. <laughs> I know exactly where you are. I got to close, but if you're here, God has you in a holding pattern. And if God has a blessing for you, don't worry about it being taken away because God will hold it while you're in your holding pattern. But when you get out, he'll give you a shield. Because I got back on time, all because I trusted God, I stayed in my holding pattern until God said it was time. You know why? Because he knows more than what we know. And he knows it's not time to land. God bless you.